Okay, good morning. Uh, another Saturday morning after breakfast here. We're sitting down to kind of walk through. I think the last time we left off, we were just, the, Albert was just about to head to um, GM in Oshawa. But I think one thing you mentioned before, I kind of want to circle back. So at the time you first arrived in Toronto, we're kind of in be, before you got your job at the Selby Hotel, you mentioned an incident uh, with someone reaching out to help you that you kind of wanted to walk through. So, yeah, well, uh, I was at the point where uh, looking for work was hard enough, but somebody asking you, can I help? I never heard that yet. Uh, usually it's, oh, here's another one looking for a job that we don't have. So this black car stopped in, it was in a bend and uh, it actually stopped and then I saw the window go down and I saw a, a dark blue uniform on the guy and he had some kind of insignia on the shoulder. And I was wondering, uh, who the heck would that be? And then the next thing I know, I saw these gold rimmed glasses and uh, it puzzled me. And then he, he says, can I help you? And that to me, it's, uh, who in the hell wants to help me? Uh, I asked for it, uh, give me a job, that's asking for help to, to get on my own feet. And uh, then I came closer and I saw Salvation Army. And he says, hop in and uh, we'll both look. He said, maybe I know a place or two where I can at least check and see if they have an opening for you even if it is for uh, a few days or weeks, but it gives you a beginning. It gives you uh, some money in the pocket. Have you, were you familiar with well, Salvation Army at all in Holland? Did oh you, yeah. Did you know the organization? <laughs> yes, I was told in Holland that if you need any help, don't go to the Salvation Army because oh. you can always, because that they were cutting in on uh, a limited um, a supply of goodies and uh, the regular religions that were reigning high there at the time, they would of course go against that. But uh, if you need help, you look for a Catholic church, look for the mass, like for the, yeah. the, the home of the priest and knock at the door, identify yourself at being a Catholic and that you need, if you yeah. were to run into a situation where you need help. Mm -hmm. Well, didn't I run to in, into a situation where I needed help in Toronto? Mm -hmm. And uh, that waking up with snow on your side, on, on your raincoat, is an experience you don't easily forget. Okay. So yes, I went, I see that church steeple there, and uh, by golly, I'm lucky, a Catholic church. That there looks kind of like the same design. The, they got the same fancy front door with wrought iron hinges and whatnot. That must be the priest's house. So I pull on the bell and boing, boing, boing in the hallway. And uh, I don't know where the mate may have been, but the old priest came at the door himself. And can I help you? And uh, was at least polite in that question. I said, yes, I, and so I explained my situation, where I came from and what happened. And fortunately, I stood back. I was actually 
almost at the at the, the 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 threshold of the door, and I stepped back because somehow I could feel uh, like he, he radiated some kind of negative emotion, and so I stood back a little bit because maybe I assumed too much, and if things happen fast in the, in the brain, and a good thing I stood back because. As he threw the door shut, I heard him say, I get too many of your kind coming at the door every day. The next thing I know, immediately following, cling, and the door shut. If I hadn't stepped back, I would have got that big, massive oak door straight in my snout. It made me wonder, was that sound advice to go to your parents' place? From then on, I... I wasn't so sure anymore of how solid the ground was. It seemed to be more like quicksand uh, or imagined uh, solid. Okay. So anyway, uh, I was not going to go to the Salvation Army. Yeah. I, I got to go where I was told to go yep. when I was still back home. So in this case, the Salvation Army... Well, the Salvation Army, uh, uh, they didn't throw the door shut in my face. They asked me, asked, didn't tell me, they asked me, come in, please come in and we'll look together. So I sit in this fancy old car, I, uh, by an old car, it was a fairly new one, I think, but how did I know at the time? And I sit there and we get to talk, and then the nicest man you want to talk to, I never saw a Paris priest being that fancy. In remember, the home, in the seminary, or anywhere. Do you remember his name? No. He I had gold, 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 rim gold glasses. rim glasses, and I have, I see him so often. Yeah. When I lie down, I can actually, in my mind's eye, I see him, hmm. and for some reason, I think he had pearl white teeth, yeah. which I never saw in an older person because hmm. he usually had dental by then, yeah. and one of the teeth had a bit of gold in it mm. on the right hand side, on my side because I was sitting to his right. right. And and I saw that and uh all but I just noticed but this on the back burner, I'll figure that out later on. Mm. And he tried here and he tried there and everywhere. So he drove you to different places looking different for places and uh uh sometimes he said I'll be right back or let's go in here mm. when he felt that maybe this place yeah. They might want to see their prospective uh, employee yeah. in person right off the bat. So I went in with him, and, but uh, to no avail. And it was three o'clock in the afternoon. And he looked at his watch and he said, Well, I'm very sorry. That uh, didn't work out. But he says, uh, Why don't you look for yourself and see maybe, maybe all it takes is one yes and you got a job. Yes, and thank you very much. And don't forget, he said, uh, if you want to, it's up to you because I know that you are not from the Salvation Army, you are Catholic. Because we talked about that in the, in the car, you know, well, he is uh, talking religion because it's a religious organization. He says, you can come to the Citadel after, when the day is over, when there is no prospect of finding a job anymore. You can have a bed to sleep in and you can have a meal. 
So you don't have to worry about being outside or anything like that. And you don't have to worry about food. We will fill your stomach. He says, and, he said, but I, he knew religion. He knew the different religions. Yeah. And he said, I don't think you would want to join us at prayers after in the chapel. But if you do, he said, you don't have to pray. You just sit there and say your own prayers. But you can join our congregation in the chapel. It's almost as if uh, I was already converted and baptized into. I didn't know anything about the Salvation Army. And so, uh, but it takes a long time before it gets it gets that immediate value, but before it takes possession of your thoughts. Yeah. And so one year goes after the next, and it gets out in the back burner and somehow yeah. kind of falls off, but the, the spill is still on the floor. Did you ever go to the Citadel or at all? Or? I did. Yeah. I went there one time. It was not what you call a five-course uh, meal. Mm -hmm. It was a healthy meal. It was a delicious meal. But then, at, delicious at the time is not the same. And it was, even at today's standards, a delicious meal. Mm -hmm. And yes, I got a bed, a single bed, yeah. but a bed with blankets on it, with a pillow and a clean pillowcase. And I slept there. And the next day, I went out and uh, looking for a job. But I, I didn't want to go back because, uh, oh boy, we got ourselves one that doesn't want to leave anymore. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to be one of them. And it would leave a, a bad taste in their mouth when it comes to, uh, you know, when you get these foreigners coming in. Which I never felt, but I was worried about that. I, I seen enough back home. So anyway, I uh, I did go to the chapel, but I didn't partake in the prayers that they were having or anything. I just sat on my seat and uh, I took in, I listened, and I thought they used different words but they form different sentences that their prayers are genuine prayers. They even seem to have more value than the ones that we keep reciting that we don't stop mm -hmm. to think about what we are saying. We are, because we learned from early childhood, that is the prayer for this, that is the prayer for that. Mm -hmm. Their prayers were different and they were more that uh, I would say you can apply to everyday life, mm -hmm. which is a far cry from what we learned. So anyhow... Uh, so that was your introduction to the Salvation Army? That was, yes. And uh, uh, many years later, many years later, decades later, I had the opportunity to return the favor because uh, I had never been up until that moment been so surprised uh, with the opposite of what I expected. Uh, I expected to get another door in my face, but not a guy to come in and, and show for me all over the place and then offer me food and a bed to sleep in and prayers. Uh, I had never happened, that never happened to me in, in my life, except when I was in the seminary. Mm -hmm. And uh, my choice had long gone there. 
But anyhow, uh, that was my uh, my meeting with the Salvation Army. And now, except because of COVID, we can't do it. Otherwise, I would gladly sit with the cattle to make up my debt to Salvation Army. Yeah. Fantastic organization. Right. And just to clarify, cattle is talking about the years you've spent at Christmas time at the kettle, uh, collecting donations for Salvation Army. Yeah, for yeah. For those that don't know. So. Uh, yeah, and uh, with my daughter and the last time, last year, with my granddaughter, together, we were sitting in the mall with the kettle, and I felt so good. I wore actually a, a Santa Claus hat. Mm -hmm. You hear people, and when I heard the people talk and how friendly they were, and I saw people who, uh, well, they, they, he's going to walk by, the, he's not going to stop at the cattle, he's not the type. Uh, take out the wallet, pull out a 20, and kind of let stand on an angle so that we could not see what he was doing. But uh, I was flabbergasted that he would actually stop, and I see he folded up like a, a cigarette, going in there, a $20 bill, mm -hmm. of a guy that probably needed a $20 bill more than the cattle, but I couldn't understand it. So how you can misjudge, never judge a book by its cover. I discovered that. So uh, yeah, that was my Salvation Army. But anyway, going back to Toronto. Yeah, uh, so I think we left off, you got your job at GM. Correct? Yes. Uh, and so you moved from Toronto to Oshawa. Oshawa, yes. My uh, my friend from the old country, right. uh, Fred, Fritz, yep. same thing. Yep. Uh, Fred went to uh, see his twin brother in Oshawa, mm -hmm. which I do. He left in March, I left in May. And uh, I went to different provinces, different thing. But uh, uh, Fred told me that uh, his brother had told him he... Uh, I could stay there for a few nights until they find a boarding house for me. Right. And uh, um, Harry, uh, Fred's twin brother, his name was Harry, and his wife um, was a member of the, uh, the Catholic Women's League. Mm -hmm. She knew some women who took in boarders. Mm -hmm. And one of them she talked to, she got in touch with, it was during the week, yeah. But she got in touch with on the phone, and uh, we have a guy here, blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, let him come in tomorrow, and uh, uh, he can move right in if he wants. Yeah. And yes, I went up there, and uh, I moved right in. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is in Oshawa, correct? That is in Oshawa. Yeah, so how I, far away would this boarding house be from the plant you were working at? Oh, uh, well, that is... That's a different story. I... Uh, uh, I got that boarding house, was on Atlas Street. Mm -hmm. And there, that man's name, I remember. His name was Dentinger. Mm -hmm. And uh, I knew it was some kind of a foreign name. I think it was German. Mm -hmm. Funny thing, though, they had a little boy, must have been, what, two, three years old. He could walk like crazy and yak, 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 yak. He'd talk a mile a minute. And then I... That came from that little kid. He is, boy, does no accent, no nothing. You know, that's going through my, yeah. 
And I thought, well, two, three years old. Give myself an extra year. In four years' time, I'm going to be able to talk as flawless as that little kid does because he was very good in expressing himself. And it made me feel good. It doesn't matter. Four years from now, I got to... Mind you, this is 60-some years later. Oh, true, but I would say even now you talk a lot like a three- or four-year-old English-born child. Uh, well, maybe... <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, because that is exactly what I wanted at the time. Yeah. Uh, like talk like that kid. Yeah. Except I hope I'm not asking the questions the same way. Yeah. But uh, yes, he was... Uh, it made me feel good that yeah. that potential was there, it seemed to me. Yeah. And uh, so I moved in there. And when I worked in GM, I... Uh, I it was within a day or two, mm. and I saw a guy, and oh, he said, uh, and he was an, an older, he must have been in his late 50s. He was someone at GM? He worked in GM, was just, GM. just like I did. Yep. And close to where I was, I I was employed on the, what they call the merry-go-round, where you have to weld different pieces together, and this big disc you stand on mm. with the spot welders overhead, you take a piece of uh, metal mm. that you got to lock into those clamps, mm. and then you go tack, 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 and you spot weld it. Gotcha. And then the next guy takes over, but the disc keeps going. And in the beginning, the 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 spot welder wouldn't stretch fast enough because I couldn't weld fast enough to do. And I ah, oh, geez, why did I get the job? I can't do that. There is no way. How can those people keep up with that? The next day, I was keeping up like all the rest, and it was not long after when I thought if I could get that guy's, if that that guy's wages, mm -hmm. I get two wages and I can do two jobs because I could do the, the both of them. But you got to get, uh, you got to get it fed to your automatic pilot that you got inside, and I've had that same thing happen to me later on in Dunlop. You. Yeah. Uh, you think it's impossible, and by nightfall, you got a down pat, and the next day, you start already getting yeah. bored. So at GM, you're working uh, on the line in and the merry-go-round welding parts up. Yeah. Yep. And this guy you were talking about, he also worked he, on the same line? Uh, no, he worked close by. Okay. And uh forgot his name, too. I'm bad for names. And I'm surprised that I remember the boarding house, the landlord, like, mm -hmm. And uh, I remember the boy, the the landlady, and uh, uh, she had a, a different way of speaking the the language, like the, her English. And she was born Canadian, mm -hmm. but uh, I wasn't used to that, and uh, so it was a bit different. But fine, she was very nice, very nice lady. And uh, he said, "I can pick you up." Uh, if you live on, on Adler Street, he said, because I come from the other end, I pass by your house, mm -hmm. and if you're ready in the morning, and uh, five bucks a week, I think, yeah. and he would give me, I, I'm not sure on the five bucks, because I, I know I had to pay him the next number of dollars, yeah. and he would give me a ride. Yeah. That pays for his gas, too. Yeah. So that's why they look for people for a ride. Mm -hmm. And uh, normal. And I had the right for the longest time with him. 
until one day somebody said to a guy that was what they call the instrument man mm -hmm. and uh, he said uh, to the instrument man you see the guy there on the, uh, on the fender the, we were putting fenders together yeah. they were put in as units the inside and the outside and whatever else mm -hmm. on that metal model and year anyway I uh, yeah, well, he's Dutch too. So one time we had a break and he comes over and he says, you're Dutch? I said, yeah. He said, what part? And he started talking Dutch, of course. And I said, Brabant. That's the province where I come from, North Brabant. And, uh, oh, what town? I said, well, it's a village. Well, I'll be darned, he said, because uh, no more than 20 miles away, we were talking miles in those days. Yeah. He says, no more than 20 miles, that's where I come from. I says, where did you come from? He says, Arab. Well, Arab is a town, was bigger than my hometown, it was actually a town. And uh, that's where he was from. Mm -hmm. And he says, so where do you stay? I said, well, I got a boarding house here on, uh, on, on, uh, on uh, I just mentioned the name, but I, <laughs> old age. Anyhow, uh, right here in town and uh, oh, and uh, how do you get here? I said, well, I have a right. And how is it? I said, well, it's a uh, husband and wife and they have a three-year-old kid. Hell of a nice kid. I said, I wish I could talk like him. It really got to me that he could talk so well. It, I said, well, where where do you born? And he said, "Well, no." He says, "I'm married," but he said, "Where my wife comes from, that they speak almost the same dialect we do, mm -hmm. and it was a little bit different than mine, and different than his wife's, but it was you could hear the kinship." Yeah. So uh, I said, well, "Where is that?" He says, "In Whitby." I says, "At I don't have a car." That's why I get a right into work. Mm -hmm. Well, he says, uh, you can get a right. There's lots of people in Whitby who work in, in GM. He says, I'll check around and uh, I'll see that I get you a right. But you'll soon enough buy a car. I said, yeah, my big mode of transportation would be a motorbike. I said, that's what I had back home for a little while before I, I left. And oh, oh, heck, he says, we're going to have a lot of fun. He says, I'll tell him that, that you, uh, uh, he says, when the shift is over, I'll take you up there and then I'll drive you to your boarding house. And then you can see what it is like. And if they say yes, they can. Yep. So that what, is what happened. What was this guy's name? Uh, Ad van Litt. Ad van Litt. And, uh, well, yeah, he, uh, he knew about motorbikes, all right. Yeah. And, uh, so I went with him to my next boarding house, which was Van Boxtel in Whitby. So he took you to the boarding house? He took me there to Just introduce so me to, uh, because he told me, <laughs> it's funny how that always works in somewhere in my life, mm -hmm. uh, at least in my uh, single years. Uh, he said, he got five daughters. He says, and I got the oldest of them. 
like he was married yeah. to the oldest girl. Mm. He says there is four left. <laughs> so in other words, uh, I'm sure you're gonna like it. Yeah. And yes, I could talk my own dialect, yeah. and uh, I kind of start forgetting about the three-year-old boy. Uh, sooner or later, I'll catch up. Yeah. And uh, I moved in there. And uh, now, how long were you at the the place with the the family and the boy, how long were you there before you moved to Oh, about a month and a half, maybe yeah. two. Okay. And uh, probably more like two. And the, the food was good. It, uh, oh my, and, uh, I never had that before in my life, but she made bacon and eggs every morning mm. with fried tomatoes. Mm -hmm. Well, Tomatoes, that is, uh, that's a no-no, no. Like my dad said, that, boy, you don't want to eat them. That's poison. Because that's what was considered poison, because when you put the tomato on a pewter plate, yeah. which was uh, uh, something that the rich people had, yeah. ordinary people would buy uh, or have a piece of plank mm -hmm. on the table to cut the sandwiches on, but uh, uh, if you had pewter and you put a slice of tomato on, the acid will take the lead yep. out of that pewter and it does poison you. Yes, yep. there is no question. But my dad didn't know except that it draws the acid, the, the lead out and yep. it's poisonous. Pewter was uh, shied away from, yep. uh, but only the rich died. Uh, because of that, because the poor couldn't afford pewter. Anyhow, um, I uh, I then moved to Whitby, and uh, then Ted Ted Bardul. So sorry. So you moved into this boarding house. So in this boarding house, this is a a, a family with the the father, mother, and four daughters in, in the, the they, house. Yeah, they were still at home. Were you the only boarder at the time? I was the only boarder. Yes. They had two of them before, and uh, when they left, well, they yeah. had this bedroom sitting empty, yeah. and uh, well, I could have that bedroom, yeah. and they had enough bedrooms for all their kids to to sleep in. Yeah. No, they were they from the same area as you. It sounded like you spoke the same dialect. Close to it, yes, but they were from the very center of our problems okay. and I'm more like from the east side close to okay. Limburg where Oma comes from yeah. and uh, do you remember their names uh, the, the, where I was boarding yeah uh, Van Boxtel Van, sorry Van Boxtel and uh, yeah John Van Boxtel and yeah. he worked in the uh, in the hospital in Whitby he was actually a photographer back home mm. And, uh, and he was good at it too. In fact, I bought his uh, developing and printing equipment later on when he wanted to do away with it. Right. But uh, yeah, I uh, I felt right at home. And mm -hmm. uh, but the guy that I'd found to get a right with to GM was Ted Bardot. So Ted Bardot is the guy that. Worked at GM, and he was the one that was giving me a ride. Yes, right. And I've heard the name before. So yes, because um, 
In one of the books that I was sent last week, uh, a week ago yesterday, by uh, a girl from uh, in the States yep. who got it from Holland, sent to her because her uncle had died and left the books behind. So anyway, she got those books and she went through them and saw that our family was well represented in one of those books and had pictures to go with it. And she had seen on Facebook, they have a group on Facebook that I wanted to uh, get those books too, if nobody else did, yeah. so they won't go to waste. And she was so kind and actually paid for the sending of them, they're heavy, and uh, gave me the books. And well, there is a, I gotta have to do uh, a bit of a story on it once I get through those books because they bring back so many memories that never occur to me anymore. But anyway, that's a different story. And uh, so I'm boarding at Van Boxtel's and Ted Bardol gives me a right right. to GM. Mm -hmm. And that goes on for a while. And well, I knew Ted back home, but he had changed so much that I didn't really recognize the Ted that, uh, that I knew back home. How did you know Ted from back home? Because Will yep. was Ted's cousin. Okay. And it gets funnier. Ted's dad used to own the bakery that he sold to a chef Willems, no relation to us, he just happens to have the same last name. And that chef Willems mm -hmm. sold the bakery, he, he just let it go, he didn't see a future in it. And he sold it to my parents, right. who started it up again in 1920 when they got married. Mm -hmm. And uh, but Ted and his family, they moved to Vendrai, the northern part of Oma's right. province. And uh, so Will went, uh, I want to go and see Oma Frans, uh, Uncle Frans, in Barkel, where they lived, by that. And of course I tagged along with him. And uh, that is how I got to know Ted, but that was many years before. Right. What how old would Ted have been at the time in you, do you remember? Well, we were about 18, 19, okay. uh, so Ted would have been 20 or 21. So you, you met him a couple of times when you were around that age? Yeah, yeah. but uh, uh, I if I had, if he had told me, I know this uh, Bardot guy, yeah. but he did, I know somebody yeah. who's also from the old country, right. and he'll give you a ride because he lives in with me. Yeah. And so that is how I got reintroduced to Ted, gotcha. who I was friends with until he died. Mm -hmm. In fact, I was present when he died. But anyhow... Uh, so Ted's, Ted's your daily ride into GM yeah. from your new uh, boarding house. Yeah, and uh, a lot of the Bardos were working in the, in the uh, mental hospital in Whitby, mm -hmm. which was created at the time of the, sec the First World War mm -hmm. because a lot of people came back with yeah. shell shock and stuff like that and they 
uh, lost the marbles, so they had to be put in that institution. And uh, one of the guys that worked in the hospital with one of the Babdul girls, uh, his name was Paul Belaski. He was a Polish guy and uh, very outgoing and he came from Poland actually, he was an immigrant. And he had a motorbike and uh, Ted had a car and we liked motorbikes. Well, we were young guys gallivanting around and uh, maybe uh, you get your own transportation and I don't have to pick you up, blah, blah. So why don't you talk to Paul? And he had a 500cc matchless twin. Mm -hmm. And I looked at it and we came to an agreement on the price and I got to, to be the proud owner of a 500cc. That was a big brood mm -hmm. in the old country where I had 125cc. But anyway... Uh, that was your first motorcycle? That was my first motorbike here, my, my own personal transportation. Yeah. And uh, uh, Ted then did away with his car, or gave it to his brother or what, I don't know, but mm. he went and bought a Norton single, end, uh, single cylinder mm. uh, 500, a Norton, uh, forget the, the model name, but anyway, the two of us started to race around and we went all over the place. So you guys hung out quite a bit after work. You didn't work together, you just worked at GM. He worked in a different you... area, yeah. but not too far away that as soon as the whistle went, yeah. we were done. Yeah. And uh, so uh, we went out together, went uh, up until I got the motorbike, yeah. went to the car and uh, well, he dropped me off at home, and then he went home. Uh, you you want to go to Tops, Tops tonight? Mm -hmm. And Tops was a Chinese restaurant downtown Whitby. Mm -hmm. And, well, where is the single guy going to go who has absolutely no connection to anybody, anything, except your landlord, landlady? Yeah. And uh, you want to go to Tops? That was the, yeah, okay, I'll pick you up at after supper or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then we go to Tops and we have a coffee, we sit there and take the quarter out if we felt right, put it in the jukebox and we play uh, preferably Slim Whitman, a mm -hmm. country western, and uh, Hank Williams. They were the big voices. Right. I loved Slim Whitman, still do. So Tops was a Chinese restaurant? A Chinese restaurant. and But it sounded like it was more than just a restaurant. Well, no, it was... Uh, uh, the, the drop-in. Okay. Uh, Hang out? Yeah, for us it was. The younger crowd would come in and uh, you sometimes see uh, young couples like boy and girl coming in that just hooks up and they want to have a coffee and yeah. uh, you know how it goes at that age. And you sometimes see two girls coming in. Never see one by yourself because mm -hmm. that wasn't done. But the odd ones, you get two of them coming in. Yeah. And I said to Ted, I wonder what's with them that they come in with the two. How, how, how come they don't have a boyfriend? Well, uh, how come you don't have a girlfriend? Mm -hmm. I said, because uh, they don't have a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you kind of find a way to go to the washroom and say hi. And uh, you guys from town and... 
So you have this small talk, anything to to make it a vocal affair. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes you, uh, yeah, okay, well, on the weekend, we can take in a movie or something like that. But that was our place to drop in. I, I didn't necessarily need it because I had uh, a good variety of choice at home in my boarding house. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it because of me a lot like being your sister, you know, you 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 sleep under the same roof, you eat at the at the, the same table, the same food. Uh, you know, it is too close. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, yes, uh, Tops was that and my favorite drop-in center, mm -hmm. and uh, we worked in GM. I finally. After a few weeks on that merry-go-round, I uh, I had applied as electrician because that is paid a little bit more, and of course everything is a function of money at that time. So um, one day I was told uh, we need somebody in the maintenance crew as electrician, mm -hmm. and there is. Murphy, and you will be working with Murphy. Murphy Cairns was his name. Funny that I, I never heard the name Murphy before. That's why I remember. And uh, you have you had this cart. It's about what two feet wide and four feet long, three feet high, and your hickeys for bending conduit and wires and tools and what have you was all on that cart, and you push it around to wherever you had to go. And uh, a forklift would bring in the cable because I never worked with cables that big in my life. Mm -hmm. Back home, everything is 220, yeah. and it's a lot smaller than wire than when you have 110. Yeah. And then, of course, the the power demand in GM is slightly different mm -hmm. than at at home back home. So uh, we always had to work with two for safety reasons, and it was big on their mind. Because one guy gets uh, get an electric shock, you can even get stuck on it. Mm -hmm. Somebody else has to be there to pull the switch, or so uh, you have to work in in pairs. Mm -hmm. But I had a, a terrific time there. I worked in the maintenance. Yeah. I was employed in the maintenance, I should say, yeah. because it is very being very careless with the truth to say I worked in the maintenance because. Uh, we worked when there was something to do, and usually part of the operation had to be shut down for us to work on it. Right. So the less they needed us, the more production came out, and that's what it is all about. Mm. We were just the fixers, not the doers. Yeah. Like we didn't produce anything, we were supposed to keep things going. Mm. So uh, I enjoyed it. But there, and it was summertime, beautiful weather, and I learned to play uh, yucca. Never played yucca before. This is what you did in between breakdowns? Uh, yes. Yep. How, many take, how many would have been in your maintenance crew you worked with? You said you always well, had a partner. but Yeah, but then there was maybe uh, four, six, okay. eight of them, depending, because yep. another crew could be working in a different department. Yep. But also on uh, on uh, yeah. on electric, yeah. and then there would but there was always somebody 
upstairs. And we always, as soon as we were done with the job, throw the switch, yeah. the line is going and everybody is working away. Yeah. And we go up that Jacob's ladder and through the manhole onto the flat roof. And there they usually sit oh. dealing the cards. So was the roof just where you went to play cards, or is, was that where you're supposed to be? No, you know, we were not supposed to uh, be there. Gotcha. Uh, no, because there was always one guy. You can you can play euchre with four guys, and if there was six, you had two left over, gotcha. and one would then uh, sit near the manhole, gotcha. and uh, he would be spying downstairs. Uh oh, somebody coming. Uh, how long did you say that had to be? There's a piece of conduit had to be cut. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you say, how long did it have to be? Somebody downstairs. That was, that was the, the sign, signal. get gold. So yeah. there is all kinds of pipes running over the roof yeah. and there is all kinds of electrical equipment. And you're there the, uh, looking very busy yeah. and whoever comes up, they never check for that. We were so busy and they don't want to interfere with that. We didn't call him, so we didn't need him. Mm -hmm. Certainly we didn't need him. And uh, then, uh, okay, and the cards come out again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we are back at it until one of them downstairs, or we hear it breakdown. over the yeah. uh, breakdown in whatever department. And uh, then we had to go down. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other ones didn't have to go, but then usually there was two that weren't uh, playing cards that would take our place and we got to go down because right. that was our area and then we go down and we fix it but anyway i had a whale of a time and i thought how is this possible can you and just just months before i was eating out of a spill barrel and now mm -hmm. i eat the food that i'm used to from back home because it was uh, uh, from the same province, uh, mm -hmm. so I was used to that kind of kitchen. And uh, boy, it's going from 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 hell to heaven uh, on all sides. It, oh. it, it the uh, you know the difference between the spill barrel and that that's yeah. quite a leap. So let's just I want to get some timelines kind of in. So I know you arrived at the Shelby, and then after the Shelby you you got introduced to get the job at GM. And that was a few months, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because we tried uh, a job in... Uh, Oakville. Oakville, yeah. yeah. Oakville so you're at GM, you start on the line working on your merry-go-round doing spot welding. How long before from starting at GM did you get a chance to move into maintenance? Oh, that... Uh, I don't think it was much more than a month. Okay. Because I, uh, it was a very boring job yeah. in a way, because I wasn't busy enough. Yeah. I could have done two jobs, yeah. but well, of course that is yeah. not allowed. And uh, so when when the yeah. announcement came, when the guy came up and said, "Well, we got an opening for you," yeah. uh, and that's where I went into right. the. Right. So you 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 moved in. You got your original boarding house with the the man and the wife and the the son. Then you went into the other boarding house in Whitby, in, in Whitby. And you met Ted and then you went into maintenance. Yeah. Okay. Uh, shortly after. Yep. And so it's a busy, busy month there. Yeah. But, but uh, things were really changing. Yep. Uh, and uh, 
they're just a time frame. So you arrived in Canada, and I think this was all within the first year and a half. Yeah, yeah. Well, I came in May '54, yep. and this happened in the summer. I was in GM yep. in the summer of '50, maybe late summer. I don't know the exact month. I never kept track of it. I was too busy yep. living. Yep. And uh, and under the circumstances, I mean living, yep, summer living 55. it up. Yeah, so summer '55. The summer of '55. So yeah, you're you're if, yeah. if you check, when did GM have that big strike? Mm. Uh, because that was the biggest strike they had for years, or ever at that time, and uh, I never heard of any since. Mm. And uh, then one guy came up to me and he says. I don't think you have been in GM long enough to get any strike pay. Strike? I never heard the word strike pay. I said, what do you mean? Well, you know, they are talking about going on strike. He had heard from the union that they were probably going on strike. Mm. They have this, but they're not going to give in. They want that, and so they're willing to go on strike for it. And then you'll be without a job. And you know, everybody here is going to look for a job because strike pay is not going to uh, keep you alive. Right. Well, for one person, okay, but uh, it wouldn't do for what you like. And since you are an electrician, uh, the electricians here, they're going to flood the market. They're going to look everywhere. So if you're smart, you quit and get ahead of the pack, get yourself a job, at an electrician place, because the, all these people in GM, mm -hmm. on the floor and in yeah. the maintenance, they all going to be looking for a job. Right. So, but what time is this strike discussion taking place? Uh, strike that was before that. Uh, uh, he just mentioned that when uh, a, a couple of days before I quit. I checked around yeah, first. No, yeah, but I'm, I'm trying not to jump ahead, right? So you've got in, into the electricians, you're working electrician, you're talking yeah. about summer is 55 is when you started at GM. A month later, you kind of got into being in the um, electrical area with the maintenance group. So how much longer, when was the strike compared to that or when was there talk about strike? Well, that was, was it, uh, uh, somewhere in, uh, I would say, June, June, July. When I started in in uh, GM, uh, that was in maybe March, April, uh, uh, March or April. In uh, gosh, I I left the Selby, and uh, Mr. Banks told me you got to do what you got to do to uh, to get ahead. So that's what I did. And uh, but I forget what month it was that I left. I uh, it was uh, earlier in the year. There was yeah, no. I'm uh, just the, the weather was nice. Yeah, no. So I understand the weather's nice because you're doing rooftop euchre. Yeah, I wasn't sure how long you were in the maintenance crew because it sounds like you were worried about a strike and you left. Yeah, well, how long I, were you in the maintenance crew before you were contemplating leaving oh, GM? Uh. I would say a couple of months. Okay. So you're probably looking at near the end of 55. 
No, in December of 55. December? Yeah, because okay. I started and I wasn't uh, too long on the on the merry-go-round yeah. uh, until I got promoted yeah. to the maintenance. Okay. And uh, I didn't need to have to have played cards for half a year to, to be in that. Yeah. You know, it's an experience that yeah. just happened that, I, that never happened to me before. Yeah. So, uh, but whenever that big strike in 55 was, and uh, I'm sure the old timers in Oshawa would still remember the ones that are still alive, uh, who were older then, of course, are not alive anymore. They would be over a hundred. But uh, yeah, I I got out of uh, after a couple of days. I checked around and oh yes, oh no no. Uh, they say it's going to be bad one because uh, they know that GMs are going to give in, mm. and that's why they were quite sure. But we have to, and well, for whatever reason. They could afford, a different definition for afford, mm -hmm. they could afford to go on strike, mm -hmm. but they never anticipated that long a strike because uh, I, uh, I got out, I quit. I just went and quit, so I left. I had nothing to lose because I didn't have any seniority to speak of. Did you have another job before you quit? No. Okay. I had to get a couple of days ahead because that strike could happen any day. Okay. They announce it and we're out the door. Yeah. And uh, that's how it was explained to me. Yeah. So I come home at my boarding house and I was talking to Van Boxley. Yeah, he says, that's how it goes here. He says, they can go on strike. And we had strikes during the war from the railroads back yeah. home. But otherwise, uh, we never had any strikes. Things were settled mm -hmm. in a more amicable way. And uh, so, and he says, what are you going to do? I said, well, I got to see that I get a job at some electrician here. Yeah. And I checked a couple of places in Whitby, but uh, they didn't need, you know, if you're not looking for a helper, you're not going to hire somebody who is asking for one. You have to have an opening and actually wanting to hire somebody. So anyway, one of them told me that uh, Reggie Bryant, that was the guy's name in Ajax, he was looking for a helper. He's got a bunch of houses to wire and he, he got that contract and everybody knows they all ride in to get 20 or 30 houses in the new subdivision that they got wired, they had to wire up. So Reggie got the contract and he didn't have the manpower to do it and he was looking for a helper. I made a beeline for Reggie's mm -hmm. and he was right on highway two in Ajax and I stopped in there and I says, I heard your uh, the manpower, uh, would you have a job for me? And well, where, where, where did you work? Well, I was in the maintenance in GM and uh, it's just a matter of a day or two and GM is going to go and say, oh, and I said, well, I wanted to beat the rush. So I thought I'll see if I can get a, I like domestic wiring better than industrial anyway, because that was more up, up my alley, mm -hmm. what I have always done, and industrial was a bit of a new thing to me. And uh, so, yes, he said, but uh, uh, you have to start tomorrow morning, and I'll pay you 75 cents an hour. That's better than strike pay, mm -hmm. anytime. I said, I'll make sure, I said, and I do have tools, so I 
Oh, he said, don't worry about the tools. He said, I got lots of tools. Uh, I can accommodate you there. I said, no, but I can bring some of my own and used to it. He said, yeah, you're the guy I'm looking for. Because when I said I'm used to my tools, yeah. means I must be using them. Yeah. Well, of course I was. Yeah. I had some tools that he never saw because yeah. I brought them with me. Yeah. And uh, So that's about the time then in December you, you've quit GM and you started with Reggie. Reggie Bryant. Reggie Bryant, Electrical, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, so we started to wire uh, up those. Well, I, actually, I'm going to, because we're going to run out of time. Oh. I think that's probably a good spot to kind of put a pin in it, because you've covered a lot of ground in the last few months going that. So you've, you've, yeah. you've, you've arrived in uh, Whitby, you've got a new boarding yeah. house, you've met up with uh, Ted Barduel. Uh, long history with the Bardua family. You picked yourself yeah. a motorcycle up. You got a taste of not working in maintenance as uh, a term, and now you've uh, timing is everything and strikes coming. So we're off, and we're just about to start with uh, Reggio Electrical and doing something that you've kind of. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I think that's a good spot to kind of start there. Yeah, so. no, I uh, uh, I liked uh, working at Reggie's, but mm -hmm. uh, seventy-five cents an hour. Even at that time, it was not uh, gigantic. But anyway, what were you making at GM an hour? Oh, remember? that was because I wish money had meant more to me. Uh, a dollar, close to two dollars, I think. Yeah, or so more. significantly more. Than oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. But I see that's the trouble. You get used to a certain wage, mm -hmm. and then you got to go back to. The 75 cents wasn't bad. That's what I made to at the guy in Sudbury. Right. But here I am yep. in southern Ontario, and there is a lot more industry, a lot more work, a lot more people, and 75 cents. But the guy capitalized on the opportunity. Yep. He knew that I needed his job more yep. than he needed me because he was going. He already knew he was going to have a, a flood yep. of applications for whatever he pays. Yep. So. Uh, just to secure me, he gave me a job right away, and fine, I was happy because I got 75 cents an hour times 40 or 48. That's good wage. Yep. Okay, we'll stop it there and we'll pick it up next week. Okay. Okay, okay thanks.